God is good. What's going on, everybody? Great to see you today. Everybody happy? If not, we'll work on you. Stay long enough till you get happy. Did you guys see these? We've got these, uh, these uh, Life Group catalogs, and uh, today and next week we're doing sign-ups. So if you don't have one of these, make sure you get one. And, uh, and today, uh, right after service, hang out for a bit. Got, got a few minutes? Hang out, check things out, sign up for groups. See, we think it's, it's really important that church not just be this way, but it also be this way. Yeah, I mean, we can get not the full measure, but we can get some of what we do if, you know, on the internet these days. You can get teaching, you can, uh, you know, you can worship God on your own, you know, to have certain experiences. One thing we don't get on our own or at home, you know, appreciate those watching online today, but it's not quite as good. <laughs> You'd be better off if you could be here, and if you can't, you know, glad you're watching. Uh, but we're designed to rub shoulders with one another and to have relationships. But even on a, on a larger scale like this, uh, that's limited, and this is where we fix it. Right, and so uh, this is one of our our priorities around here is is that we have relationships with one another. We value each other. We are a family. We are the body of Christ. And so we've got lots of new groups. I encourage you to come check it out. If something works for you, sign up for it and get involved. I think you'd be better off. I think others will be better off if they know you, and if we have relationships going on that on that smaller scale. Uh, check out the life groups for this fall. Uh, right after service today. Good, good? Everybody good? Everybody agree? Everybody sign on the line? All right. And uh, also today is uh, first Sunday. It's first Sunday-ish. Technically it's not, but this is the Sunday we do our welcome lunch, okay? In fact, right after this service today, uh, you're invited. If you're new with us, new today, new in the last five years, and you've never been to our welcome lunch, um, I'd like to share with you personally right after this service some real important things regarding who we are and what we're all about. And, uh, and if you'd like to hear that and get good food while you're listening, uh, then come. Just, you can just show up. Uh, forks are included. Good food, good drinks. Uh, uh, it'll be great. Okay? Right after this service, you are invited to get the inside scoop. Praise God. Congratulations to those who got baptized in water today. Awesome. Hallelujah. Praise God. If there's someone around you that looks kind of wet, go ahead and congratulate them. You've gone through the Red Sea and you are going to the promised land. It's a life of victory. It's a life of abundance. Amen. Praise God. Are you ready for some word today? If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and get them out. And I want to start today once again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, we've been teaching in a series, got your Bible apps and so forth, you do it however you can. We've been teaching in a series the last number of weeks now, handful, uh, a message that I call Forgiven and Free. Forgiven and Free. Let me just grab one verse out of this to give you the foundation so we have time to move on. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. 
this is a universal truth that is accepted widely by all believers, all Christians, all saved people. Um, however, sometimes uh, the understanding of Jesus or Christ dying for our sins is limited just to the forgiveness part of it. And there's no doubt we could talk, you know, all day long about the forgiveness of sins and how important and valuable that is. But what I'm emphasizing is that we include freedom with forgiveness. That we're not only just, uh, Jesus didn't die just so we could be saved from the penalty of sin, but also the power of sin over us. So we literally are changed, not just in our eternal destination, but in our daily living, where we actually look different. We live different. We think different. We walk different. We, you know what I'm talking about? We talk different. He literally changed us from the inside out, from the top to the bottom. In every way, we are brand new. It's an amazing thing, but this is what Jesus died to do. And, uh, you know, the price that was paid for this is way too high for us to remain in bondage. And, and my heart, and I believe it's the heart of God, is that we would all live a victorious life. And, and what we mean by that, that, that's again a broad statement, but in one way it means this, that we're no longer doing the things that we used to do that we beat ourselves up for and, you know, we do them again and then beat ourselves up for it again and constantly live in a state of going from condemnation to forgiveness to I think God still loves me and I'm okay and, you know, constantly dealing with that. But where we get to a place where we're just, we're just different. We just think different. We live different. Amen. And it is important that we do it this way. Uh, you know, if I'm going to have a relationship with anyone, We've got to have some things in common. If I want to become your friend and you want to become my friend and, every, and we, we say, hey, let's get together. Let's spend some time. Let's hang out. And, 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 and you say to me, hey, let's go, go, let's go play some golf. And I say, I hate golf. <laughs> or, or uh, you know, and I said, hey, let's go ride motorcycles. And you say, I hate motorcycles. Okay. Uh, let's go eat. We all eat, don't we? Uh, and you said, let's go get some seafood. And I said, no, I don't. Seafood. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I said, let's go get barbecue. And you said, no, I don't like barbecue. <laughs> we might need to find new, some new friends. <laughs> you know, nice to know you, uh, but we're not going to hang out a whole lot. We just have different interests, seems like, every time we turn around. And it comes to our relationship with God. You know, he's not adapting to us. And it is our adaptation to His ways, which are right, which are good, which are helpful, beneficial. There's blessing all over it. There's joy, peace about it. But I need to adapt. Yeah? And I know I'm saved in an instant. I'm made new and made alive and made righteous in His sight by, by the finished work of the cross. But then there is a walking out of this. And this is something that we, we should value. You see, even when we talk about salvation, how many know it's not just about uh, heaven and hell? I'm saved now I'm not going to hell, now I'm going to heaven. The Lord had more in mind than that. Yes, that's pretty extreme and that's pretty high, uh, you know, top shelf stuff. But he wanted a relationship with us from the beginning. Even in John 17, Jesus said eternal life is to know him. So we think eternal life is to be forgiven and go to heaven. Yes, but he, we're forgiven, we're changed, we're born again so that we could know him. All right, and, and so I want to not just be 
forgiven. I also want to be free. Yeah. I, I, I know sometimes we think, well, some think this way. I don't think this way. But they think, well, in the new covenant, because we live under grace and we're, we're in the age of grace, we don't ever want to talk about what we do or what, how we act because then we get into a performance mentality where we're trying to earn God's acceptance. Listen, I, we don't want to get into that mentality. We don't want to earn God's acceptance. But can we accept that even in, in, a, in a grace relationship with, with the Father, that there are still rules to the relationship? So I know some don't like to think that. No, we can do anything. No, no, no. Seriously, think about a, a, a marital relationship. Are there any rules? Well, yeah, you stood at the altar and made promises to one another. You said, I'm going to be just me and you. That's the rule book now. Well, it's, I'm just all about relationship, not rules. Relationships have some rules. They say, you don't go this way. You don't act this way because it hinders that relationship. That's the final end, the goal. But if I don't observe some practices, I'm going to ruin the relationship. Everybody okay? Uh, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would. And... I want to deal with some of these things in a real practical way. Always hitting the spiritual side, we need to believe right. And then there's a practical side of walking these things out. But no doubt we can be free from the power of sin over our lives. Listen, you and I can say no to temptation. And never should we believe anything different that, you know, we can't help ourselves. Uh, uh, You know, Jesus died so we could have and enjoy a full life. But it's not a full life if we are subject to worldly thinking and worldly living. It really is a bondage. It really is something that he, he wants us to, to get free from. And, uh, you know, we were sharing with you last week about, uh, about basically not giving the devil inroads or tools to work with in our lives. And if we'll leave certain things out, he'll come to us to attack, to tempt, and he won't find any building materials. He won't find anything to work with. And uh, we talked about what you believe and who you spend time with and where you go. And even resisting the the feelings of constant shame and guilt. See, those are avenues the devil travels on to to bring us back into bondage. But let's go a little bit further. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Did you find that verse? 1 Corinthians, uh, that chapter anyway. Chapter 10. Notice with me verse 12. It reads, uh, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Take heed. Do you think you stand? What's he saying? Watch out. Watch out lest you fall. Now, he's not instilling a mentality of fear or anything that would you know, that would limit the victory that we have in Christ. But he is taking a very serious approach to sinful behavior. Saying, even if you're free and you think you're doing well, great. But watch out. What do you mean? Why do I need to watch out? It's because this issue of sin is so costly when we go down that path. If we fall for it, if we slip on... uh, uh, the strategies of the enemy and fall into a lifestyle of, of sin, it will produce bondage again. 
Okay. In other words, we found ourselves in a prison cell. Jesus came along and opened the door, but we still have to walk out. You can be declared free. You've been granted your walking papers. You are out of here, out of the box. But I still have to walk out of this. Okay? And if I don't watch myself, I could end up falling. Yeah? So this makes me aware that any of us could do, uh, could go down the wrong path and, and trip up. If we, if we view maybe the way we used to be or maybe the way someone else is, we observe someone else living a you know, pretty funky life. And we say, I could never do that. I, I, I just don't know how they act that way. I don't know how they get involved with it. I could never be that way. Watch out. Take heed. Because the reality is, is you could. Now, maybe not today. Maybe you wouldn't today. Because, you know, you're not going to just be going the right way and turn on a dime and all of a sudden you're just a mess. <laughs> but little by little, it can happen. When we have this this attitude or mentality that I can't fall, I could never do that, I could never be that way, we're possibly subject to the deceptions of sin right there. And we find ourselves, because it happens little by little, little by little, little by little, all of a sudden we're a long way from where we used to be. So we take heed lest we fall. Sin can be very deceptive, you know. In fact, uh, uh, let me remind you of Hebrews, Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 reads this way. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, notice, notice. Beware who? Beware who? Brethren. That includes sistren. Brethren. Talking about family. Talking about saved people in the family of God. Beware lest you. So a saved person could get an evil heart of unbelief. Yeah. A saved person could depart from the living God. Yeah. See, that's a possibility. And if we recognize that, we say, okay, I'm going to keep my head up. I'm going to keep my eyes wide open. I'm going to beware. I'm going to um, take heed lest I fall. I'm going to be on guard lest I fall into some of these traps. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily. That's why we need each other. Exhort one another daily. While, we, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. This is where, when we say, I would never do that. I would never act that way. Well, if you were hardened, you might. Maybe not today. Maybe your heart is soft and pliable and movable and God can move on you and you're open and receptive and you hear His voice and, and all these good things. But if you start denying that and if you start walking, you get harder and harder and if we don't pay attention, we could eventually do things that we never would have thought we would ever do. Yeah? This sin is deceitful. It sneaks up on you. So we keep our guard up. Okay. Back to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, chapter 10. Now notice the 13th verse. Chapter 13. Uh, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation, with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, uh, let me side note uh, this first of all. This scripture does not say God won't put on you more than you can handle. Now, maybe you're not aware that that's, that lie has been told for thousands of years. 
Well, you know the Bible says. Yeah. You have to always watch out when someone says, well, you know what the Bible says. Because, <laughs> you know, if it does say, great, but many times it's twisted. Well, God won't put on you more than you can handle. This scripture is not talking about God putting anything on anybody. He, how many know God is not our problem? He is not the one pushing you to the edge and saying, see if you can handle this. Let's see if you can handle this. Let's see if you can handle this. And just, just testing you. No, 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 no. That is not what this scripture says at all. Basically, it's saying that if anything comes to you, you can be assured by the very fact that the temptation, the trial exists, that there is a way of escape. That God is providing you a way out. That His grace is sufficient for you to overcome. And if that were not true, He would have jumped in the middle of it and said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not allowing this. He's not involved in it unless it were something that were too much for us to handle and overcome. Then He would step in and stop it. So what this does is it removes any thinking from our minds that ever we are going through or dealing with a situation, a temptation, a trial, a test that is too much to bear. I don't think I can handle this anymore. Yes, you can. The very fact that it exists is proof evidence that you can. Now, by God's grace and with His, with his strength working in you, for sure. But the fact that it's there means you can overcome You've been presented an opportunity. I know it's not always a welcome opportunity, not always a desired opportunity, but nevertheless, it is an opportunity for you to overcome, for you to have victory, for you to see, all right, where's the escape route from this mess? Where's the, because you know for sure that there is one. If the problem exists, God has made a way of escape. Everybody with me today? See, again, sin comes with deceit. It lies to you. It tricks you. Uh, one of those lies can be, no one, no one understands what I'm go- going through. No one understands what I'm dealing with. No one can relate to me. I've got this problem, and uh, no, you know, I, no one really gets it. Yes, they do. Because the devil doesn't have any new bag of tricks. He's, re- he's, he's famous for re-gifting. He used it on one person. Whether it worked or whether it didn't work, he's going to take it back and put a new package on it, new color, new bow, new name, and say, here you go. But it is the same old tricks, repackaged, rewrapped, reframed, the same, the same old stuff he uses again and again and again. So when the idea comes to you, this is too much, say, this is not too much. I can overcome this by God's grace and with God's help. I can have victory in this situation. I can resist the enemy here. Say it. Believe it. Yeah? And when the enemy says, ah, no one understands what you're going through, say, there is no temptation that has taken me but such as is common to man. This is average, everyday stuff. Decorated. Decorated to fit my life and to make me think I'm all alone in this and no one understands. Everybody okay? Whatever comes against us, we can overcome. Praise God. Now, if you would, uh, let me show you another passage. 1 John chapter 2. Chapter 2. 
See, even though there, there is a way of escape guaranteed by God, there's always a way out. How many know we still have to take it? So I was in this bondage. I was in this temptation. There was nothing I could do about it. Nope. Nope. Don't believe that. Believe he's showing it to you. He's given me the wisdom on how to deal with this, how to escape, how to get out of this, this circumstance. But, ha- but the Lord making a way of escape and putting us in that escape route are two different things. He makes it, we take it. If I don't take the way of escape, that's kind of on me. And so the devil only has basically three temptations. Other than that, they're just different bows, different wrapping paper, different you know, little anomalies to it. Uh, but basically three temptations. Let's, let's look at this over here. First John chapter 2, verse 15. It reads, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Do not do that. So he's writing to believers, writing to Christians. Is it possible for a saved person to love the world? Yeah, that's why. If not, you wouldn't tell them not to. All right? He tells us, don't love this stuff. Don't love the things in the world. So I have a choice what I'm going to set my affections on. If I give all my time and attention, I just love the world and the things of the world, I'm going to struggle in life, period. All right? No matter who my, how many people pray for me, no matter if I was genuine in my heart when I first prayed and accepted the Lord, if I love the world and the things of the world, that's just really going to be a problem. That's why, he, that's why we're given this amazing wisdom. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. Uh, he said, the love, if you do that, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So these are contrasting um, uh, uh, things. Can't think of a word. I use the word things. <laughs> these are contrasting conditions in a person's heart. Love the world, things of the world, love the Father. But this also helps me because if I just am going to engage in mental warfare... If I'm just going to do battle with, I'm not going to love that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to think that, that's, a, that's a, a struggle. But if I come over to the other side and say, I'm just going to love God. I'm just going to love His Word, everything He says, everything He does, everything He promised me. Lord, I just love this, I love you, I, I fill my heart with good things. What's happening to the love of the world and the love of the things of the world? They're getting displaced. They're getting washed out without me even hardly giving it a second thought. That's why we gather together in places like this so we can what? Express our love for God. So we can let it overflow. What's happening in the middle of it? Love for the world is is on the decline. It is. It's on the way out. Amen. And and it seems good to to, to go down this line a little bit further and, and, and say this. The Lord designed us that we would express good things in life to him to other people there's some things we shouldn't express put a lid on it don't vent don't let it out cap it seal it but we're not designed to not express anything we just need to express the right things how many times have people gone through a a tough situation maybe a loved one passed away and they say it, you know, after it happens, they say, oh, I wish I would have told them this. I wish I would have dealt with this. I wish I would have shared this with them. I wish I could have told them how much they meant to me. I wish I could have expressed this. And 
you know, it's sad because you can't tell them anymore, right? Life is short and life is temporary. Life with each other, these relationships, very brief, you know, while we're here. Someone needs to hear this. You need to express. You need to talk to people, those who are close to you, those who, and, and take the opportunities that you have before you now to say what you want to say. What do you want them to know? Find the time, find the place. Can I tell you this as well? Our expression of our love and worship to God is essential to overcoming. Wow, I didn't even know that until I said it. It's essential. Our love for God. People express their love and they act out their love for the world and the things of this world. But sometimes their love and their love for God and the things of God stay internal. And we think it. And we're, we might be sincere in our hearts, but it stops without the expression. Love, love God with your prayer, prayers. Love God with your praise, with your worship. Love God with your giving. Love God with your serving. Let there be an outflow of what you think about Him. Time is short and time is running out and there won't be any opportunity for you to live out the plan of God for your life in the earth and without an expression, a heartfelt, sincere overflow of love for God while you're here in this life, there will be things that, that, that don't happen that, that God wants to happen. Mm. I wonder, is the Lord talking to us today? See, He desires us to live free. And so He's created these avenues, these escape routes. And if we'll take them, we'll enjoy His best. Praise God. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, number one. The lust of the eyes, that's number two. And the pride of life. Is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And so the enemy works against us. He hits us in three areas. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And every, everything beyond that is just a different package. He's coming against us in those three areas. If we can recognize what he tries to do, we're ready for it. We are taking heed saying, I see what that is. That's just good old-fashioned lust of the flesh right there. Not going to bite. Amen. And we see it. Ah, that's good old-fashioned pride of life. I'm not going to fall for that thinking too highly of myself. Yeah? Nowadays, people are proud of everything. And they don't realize it's the enemy working against them. They have national pride and racial pride and, uh, and phone pride. My phone, you got the wrong operating system on your phone. <laughs> Let alone just, you know, overall self-centeredness and thinking too highly of yourself. And it's all the enemy trying to get in. Why? So we think different than, than forgiven and free. We fall into these traps. You see, you see this pattern throughout Scripture. If you go out back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent, Satan through the serpent, came to tempt Eve. Remember, they were commanded, don't eat of all the trees, just don't eat from that one, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he came, and, and the scripture tells us that she, she saw that the food was, that, that the tree was good for food. It was good for food, lust of the flesh right there. 
And, and, and then and what happened is that the, she looked at that tree and looked at that fruit, and it was pleasant to the eyes. It just really looked good. And so we see the lust of the, lust of the eyes there. And then, and, and then also that that tree, it was desired to make one wise. And there was the pride of life. And that's how Satan tempted her at the very beginning. He continues that pattern to this day. When Jesus was tempted, remember after he was uh, baptized in the river, and he was out in the wilderness for 40 days. He went on that 40-day fast, spending time with the Father. And, and the enemy came after him. After 40 days, he was hungry, wouldn't you be? And uh, hungry. And what did the enemy come after with him with first? Lust of the flesh. He said, why don't you turn those stones into bread? Right? And then he, he, he came after him with the, um, with the lust of the eyes. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, if you'll bow, bow down to me, they'll be yours. And that's what Jesus came to, to get, right? All the kingdoms of the world. <laughs> he came to redeem all of mankind. And so the, the lust of the eyes. And he came after him and, you know, he, he said, uh, remember he took him on the pinnacle of the temple and he said, throw yourself down. And for it is written, his angels will give charge over you. And in, in, in their hands they'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And so we have the pride of life. And the enemy continues to work against people in these three areas. What, what, what is the answer? What, what should we do? I think we should love God. We should love him more than the things of this world. It doesn't mean that temptation won't come. But your love for God will be greater. I'm not going to do that. Why aren't you going to do that? Because I love God. My love for God is greater than that. My love for God is stronger than my love for these, these things. When you love God more, the way of escape becomes clear. Well, wait a minute. Temptation, trial, test coming. But my, this heart of love that I have for the Father, all of a sudden, I see that path. I didn't even know that was there. But my love for God made that clear to me. Where someone else who doesn't love God, they don't see that. They're just looking, I don't know how to get out of here. Well, what am I going to do? I, I need help. I can't get out of here. I, I can't handle this. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to deal, how to deal with this situation. Worship the Lord for a bit. Say, Father, I've choose my faith. I set my affection on you. I love you. I worship you. You're so good to me. I, and get full of him. And then all of a sudden your eyes will open and say, huh. Has that been there the whole time? Seriously, Lord, did you just make that? Or was that, was that there the whole time? And I'm telling you, there are all kinds of things that exist in our life. Avenues, ways out, opportunities, blessings. They already exist because God in His foreseeing power provided them before we ever showed up. We just don't see them yet. But you love God and escape routes appear. And so many of the struggles and challenges we deal with all of a sudden appear. Praise God. Let me show you one more thing. Got time for one more? Genesis, if you would. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis is the book of beginnings. And so you know where it is. Genesis chapter 39 this tells us how to deal with some of these uh, temptations in life. There was a guy named Joseph. Uh, Joseph was the son of Jacob. He was one of the children of Israel, okay? Part of the, the great patriarchal family. 
um, there that Israel came out of today, by which, of course, Christianity came from out of Judaism because Jesus was born in that line. Joseph was, uh, had a lot of older brothers that didn't like him. And without going through the whole story, he was betrayed by his brothers. They threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. And, and he ended up working for, and I say working for, not just as an employee, come and go when you want, uh, as a slave for a guy named Potiphar. Okay? Now, he was a man of great character and faithfulness. So even working as a slave, he wasn't complaining. He wasn't, you know, demanding things. He was just doing a good job. And so eventually... Potiphar trusts him, and he's running the whole house. He can basically do what he wants, even though he still maintains that position of being uh, subject to him. But, but Potiphar had a wife. She was not a good wife. Uh, she was not a virtuous wife. And it says in, in verse 7, and, and by the way, you read, read through the passage, Joseph was really good looking too. Good looking Joseph, non-virtuous wife. A Potiphar. Verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. And so you can see what's going on here. And we know this is real life temptation. Young man with a sex drive and this woman's coming after him and saying, come on, man, let's do it. And uh, uh, Potiphar's out of the house and she's coming after him. And you can see, your temptation abounds. But this has always stood out to me, how, how he responded. The middle part of there, of, of verse 9. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Here's one of the lies that we believe when we're tempted is I can do this and no one will know about it. I can do this and get away with it. There's no, no police around. Okay, I can do this. You know, my spouse is not around or whatever. My friend, no one's going to know I'm doing this. You know, the door's closed. It's just me and the world wide web. I can do this and no one will know. I'll I'll get the enjoyment, the benefit, without the consequences. Okay? And and that's a lie. It's a deception. We've all been tricked by that. We've we've done things because we thought, I can do this. I'm going to get away with this. And there's going to be no problem. I'm not hurting anybody else. And, And the enemy will use that. Unless you're a Christian and you have an awareness of God which is what we all want at all times, to have a knowledge of Him in our lives that far exceeds the the potential of anyone else knowing what's going on. Whether I'm going to get caught or whether someone else is going to look down on me, that is all uh, subject to this reality. I have a relationship with God and He's with me always. You know you want that if something bad is about to happen. You know you want that if there's a car accident about to happen. You want to know that God is with you, protecting you. You know if there's a disease or something bad that comes your way. You know you want to acknowledge the presence of God. Then, what we want is to have this at all times. And to where if no one else knows or no one else is going to be there to stand and say, Hey, I don't really think you ought to do this. 
we have a consciousness of God. And even Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, he says, I can't do this. Yeah, I've been, he's given me all this stuff and he said, you know, except for you, but I can't do this in sin against God. I wonder how many times is our relationship with God, is it strong enough where that is deterrent enough? Not because we think he's going to pound us in the ground if we do something wrong, but out of respect, out of love for him. I've been working my love life with the Father, and I come up against this, and I'm saying, no, I'm not going to do that because I value this relationship more. So it was, verse 10, as she spoke to Joey day by day, (laughs) that he did not heed her. You know how it works, day by day. Come on, Joseph. And she comes dancing around in her slinky stuff. And, and she's longing eyes. Hey, Potiphar's out again. He's on that business trip. No one's going to know. I know I'm adding in, but this is how these things work. No one's going to know. It's not going to be a problem. Everything's going to be okay. It's just me and you. Not hurting anyone. And hmm. he did, uh, She spoke to him day by day. That he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to work. And none of the men of the house was inside that she came and caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. So this has gotten a little more aggressive now. It's not just words. She's laid hold of him. And she grabs his clothes. And he knows. Come on now. If you've ever been in a situation, you know right now I'm about to be in trouble. The woman is right there, and she's touching, and she's grabbing my clothes. And if I don't do something now, we're not going to do the right thing. Right? She's saying, lie with me. But in this case, he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Sometimes that's the right thing to do. No longer conversation. No longer I can't do this and sin against my God. I am just out of here. <laughs> and if, if she holds tight enough onto my clothes, you know, maybe he spins or something. I don't know <laughs> what, what he's wearing. <laughs> but it's like, ah, and he's out of there and ran away. How many know there's a difference between doing battle mentally or even just saying, I resist this thought. I resist this temptation. And saying, I am going to physically get up and go out of here. I'm in this environment. I'm in this situation. I'm leaving the party. I'm leaving the room. I'm going to be with a friend. I'm going to call someone on the phone. I'm going to take physical action because I know if I stay here, even though I have a heart for God and I love God, I don't trust myself. And I'm telling you, we shouldn't trust our flesh. We have to get very serious with it because we'll end up doing things that will seriously affect our lives and the lives of others. And if we recognize this deceitfulness of sin, sometimes we're not just going to resist. We are going to run. Have you ever had a running situation? Say, yeah, I didn't take it. Take it. Amen. He's helping us today. He really is. He loves us enough to give us his wisdom, help us and guide us. You know, if you were sitting on your front porch one day and you're just enjoying the weather camping out on the front porch and uh, in the rocking chair with your lemonade (laughs) and a little cat comes by say hey little kitty kitty what are you doing 
and you didn't know that cat wasn't your cat, but just a cat came by, come rubbing up against your leg, and so you started petting the kitty kitty, and uh, and uh, after after a little bit, you thought, you know what? I bet this cat could would really appreciate some milk, and uh, and so you said, kitty kitty, just stay right here, and you come back out with a bowl of milk, and that cat goes to town, and is drinking up the milk, and uh, and then you all had a great time. How many know where that cat's going to be tomorrow? That cat will remember you. That cat has found a home. And because you feed it, it's coming back. Yeah? And this, again, goes to the practical side of how we deal with temptations in our life. Many times people are saying, here, kitty, kitty, drink, drink, drink. Get out of here. Go away. Stop coming here. Drink, 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 drink. And every time the cat comes by, they feed it again. And they say, cat, you really ought not do that. You ought to go home. This is not your house. You should go home. The cat's coming back. <laughs> Amen. And if we, do, if we are doing that with sin, it's the old uh, adage of starve your doubts and feed your faith. Your doubt will die and your faith will thrive. Yeah? When it comes to temptation, if we're feeding it, if we're giving into it, if we're allowing our thoughts to go that, that way, it's going to come back. It has found a home, a place to thrive. But when we cut it off and say, get out of here. <laughs> Stomp your foot and say, get out of here. Don't give it anything to eat. And then it'll go find somewhere else to, to live. Amen. I tell you, the Lord is, hap- is, is helping us. And as much as he has helped us in Christ, as much as he has helped us through the finished work of the cross and our redemption, how many recognize we still have to stop feeding the cat? Yeah? Amen. Amen. If you need to do business with God concerning something particular in your life, we're in church. You can do it now. We have time. You don't have to. It's not necessarily a, I have to share it with everyone. You can do business with Him. If you need to do any displacing in your heart, meaning I'm going to express and activate the love of God, then do that. You can do it quiet or you can do it loud. <laughs> Let's love on the Lord. Let that love displace the love for the world.